Geography. Where you live, where you work, where you play. Your life is dictated by the space that you inhabit. Yet, with the rise of digital marketing, we often neglect geography as nothing more than a tangible targeting mechanism for ads. And my friends, that, that is a false prophet. Geography's impact is far more significant than the miles we travel daily. And season two of Thought on Pact is a deep dive into why modern marketers should pay way more attention to the places their audiences reside. Let me say that again. Modern marketers should be paying attention and deeply, deeply respecting the impact the places their audiences reside. Hi, I'm Josh, and this is the Thought Unpacked podcast, an exploration into the world of modern marketing. My hope? Bring some clarity and context into an industry that impacts our everyday lives. Today, I begin my mini-series on geography with what I hope is a good level set for anybody listening. Today, we begin with your lens is not the lens. Now, Growing up, I lived in a small town about an hour's drive outside of Toronto, the largest city in Ontario, Canada. Now, the community was expanding and there was a growing diversification of the town. I knew I didn't live in the most culturally diverse area of the world, but felt I had a good grasp on what I was looking at and how my small town was impacting my lens. I assumed that I would be able to empathize and take on another person's lens. I was wrong. Now, before I went to post-secondary, I took a year, which is code, by the way, for I wasn't 100% sure where I wanted to go or what I wanted to do. And truthfully, the schools I had applied to, I hadn't gotten in. So either way, I was taking this year. And I did what many of us in Ontario do. I moved out west. Now, Vancouver Island is not a busy metropolis uh, by any stretch. Even to this very day, I think the population is still less than what would be considered a small to mid-sized city. Now, the population when I moved there was smaller and much smaller, in fact, than Metro Vancouver and certainly Toronto. But when I moved to the island, I was confronted with a lens I had never experienced in my life. Let's call it for simplicity's sake, the island lens. Now, as I became established in my new town, I initially thought, okay, this isn't so different. The majority of people I worked with looked like me, which granted is a whole other discussion. And we were all in a similar economic standing. Again, whole other discussion still coming up. But over time, I began to notice a significant difference in my innate behaviors versus my friends who had grown up on Vancouver Island or had lived there for many, many years. I have a simple yet profound, at least I think it's profound, moment in my early time on the island that I recall as that moment, that moment you realize your worldview is not the same as the worldview shared by those who are surrounding you. Now, this realization occurred 
early on, right? I had think I'd only lived on Vancouver Island for, oh, maybe a month, maybe a little bit more, but it was still very early days. And I had driven from Ontario to Vancouver Island for a number of reasons. It was easier to bring my stuff out, but the number one thinking was it will be far cheaper for me to drive my truck across Canada than get a whole new vehicle when I'm out there. By the way, anyone listening who is thinking about doing such a trek, it is actually cheaper to get a new vehicle or give or take. You could probably sell your car and get a new car and the money that you will spend on a cross-country trek is still going to be greater than on average. So I was wrong. It had never crossed my mind that I wouldn't need a vehicle. That wasn't on my radar at all. Everyone in my hometown either owned a car or wanted a car once they became an age that they could drive, 16 years old. Further, I would be living about 45 minutes away from where I'd be working, so I couldn't imagine my life without a car. How would I get to work? And yes, I had looked at public transit and that wasn't going to be an option. Again, for me, car equaled necessity. I didn't go to work for the first few weeks, not because I was being lazy, but because I had arrived early and wanted to get myself established in my living space before my time was going to be consumed by work. But after a few lonely weeks, I started to work and began to meet people and then it happened. One day I was driving to work and again, just to add some context here, this is a pretty small town. So there's not many roads, right? There's kind of one way in, one way out. And as I was driving on the one way out of town towards work, I noticed two of my friends at the side of the road. Now, these friends were my colleagues at work. And I should mention that we all worked at Mount Washington, a snow resort and a fairly major employer in that part of Vancouver Island. My friends had all their snow gear on. They had their skis and snowboards on the side of the road along with their boots and backpacks. They were geared up. They were going to work. They had the stuff they needed. And as I got closer, I was scanning for what I was assuming to be a broken down car. Right? Two friends, side of the road, likely car troubles is what I thought. But as I got closer and closer, I couldn't see a car anywhere. In fact, there was no sign of ever being a car. It wasn't like, okay, they got their car towed. No, no car anywhere. Now, as I began to pull over, and admittedly, this was a huge burden for me. Not because I couldn't pick up my friends. I knew these individuals. We had worked together for a few weeks already. I trusted them. At least I trusted them enough to jump in my truck and drive to work. I had room. It was only me in my truck, and my truck wasn't the biggest thing in the world, but I had room. But it was a massive ordeal because I had been told my entire life, don't pick up hitchhikers. Carry on. So as I painstakingly pulled over, again, nothing physical in that pain, all mental, I finally pulled over and I invited them to come with me. My friends were grateful and they jumped in right away, tossing their stuff into the bed of my truck. Now, it was in that moment my worldview and their worldviews started to really collide. And mine was subsequently broken. As my friends were getting in and as we got going, 
my one friend turned to me and said, thanks, Josh, it's great to know someone with a ride. Now, I paused and, and did what, again, any, you know, old teenager or young adult would do, aka I was 19 going on 20. Yeah, sure, no problem. How are you guys getting to the hill today? Oh, we hitchhike. Oh, you're having car trouble? Nah, man, none of us own a car. We just bum rides to the hill. That realization that two of my friends didn't own a car, weren't having car troubles, and in fact purposely were hitchhiking blew my mind. Now here were two people who again looked, sounded, and act like me, maybe a little bit more relaxed. They had a similar economic situation. So I assumed our worldviews would be similar, but I was completely wrong. They didn't see owning a car as a must-have. I recall several of my friends on other occasions asking why I owned a car, letting me know how it was so easy to get a ride out of town to the mountain, and I could save a lot of money in the process. This thought of hitching a ride had never, ever crossed my mind, and yet to them, it was just a rite of passage. It was what you were expected to do as a, you know, old teenager, again, 18 to 19, or a young adult, 20 to, let's say, 22, 23. Now, my world lens was as such. If you were hitchhiking, you fell into one of these three buckets, if not all three. You were having car troubles. That's the only reason why good people, honest people, would hitchhike. And, and trust me, I am using these words purposely. That's how I thought. Alternatively, you may, alternatively, you couldn't afford a vehicle. You were, unfortunately, too poor, and you also couldn't afford public transit. Again, this is actually how I thought. And then to top it all off, if you were a hitchhiker, I assumed at some level or another you were out to take advantage of me, aka you were a bad person. And yes, this is literally how I thought. Now, I was wrong, but I didn't know I was wrong until my worldview, my lens, was completely shattered. My friends saw hitchhiking as a legitimate form of transportation, again, a rite of passage. Even more, they struggled with the idea of car ownership. I mean, they got the appeal of being able to hop into a truck or into a car and zoom off to wherever you're going, but the cost was simply too high for them to justify, especially when they could get to where they were going daily. So again, they could get to work easily. They could get to, say, the grocery store, wherever they need to go with not a lot of hassle. Why would they own a car? Why would they spend their money? Now, at this point, you might be wondering, Josh, great story, but why the heck are you telling me this? And how does it relate to marketing? Remember, this is all about marketing at the end of the day. Well, as I discovered my friend's lack of interest in cars, simultaneously, I saw dozens of ads. I will mention that this is back in a time before the pervasiveness of the internet. We had the internet, but we didn't have Facebook, okay? Just to level set here. But I saw dozens of ads, mostly imprinted on billboards, extolling the virtues of car ownership or vehicle ownership. And it was targeted very clearly at the same group of people my friends were. Now, the actors in the ads looked exact. It was actually shocking how much they looked 
like my friends, even on occasions including things like skis and snowboards. But when I looked at the people who actually owned the majority of vehicles in my hometown, my new hometown on Vancouver Island, they were, for the most part, significantly older and more likely to be driving their kids to the hill than the their kids to the hill than themselves. And that is the issue. Marketing, and by extension advertising, is created in a vacuum. Yes, companies and agencies will bring in a focus group or have a diverse group of individuals weighing in on the creative and the campaign idea. But rarely, if ever, are people brought in from a large geographical area. They are all coming from the same city. And by the way, it's almost always a city. So if you're creating marketing and advertising and you're bringing in a focus group or you're calling in individuals to be a part of your advisory board, yes, they will have a diverse perspective. But that perspective is still heavily influenced by the fact that they're all from a geographical area that is similar to one another. Thus, they all share that lens. And like me, they will form beliefs and assumptions with that regional outlook. And it has been reinforced. Now, this has been a problem for decades. I mean, I haven't lived on Vancouver Island for a while, but it has become exacerbated as digital marketing and digital marketers are using geography as a mechanism to help target their ads. I can picture a marketing director creating Instagram ads for my friends on Vancouver Island. They would think they were utterly brilliant by including a snowboard and a mountain bike and throw in a bit of copy around Conquer the Day with the new XYZ SUV from such and such. You can picture it, can't you? This ad targeting my friends, featuring the things that this marketing director feels will captivate their attention and get them to want to convert. This director would launch this campaign, and because we've told ourselves that a 1-2% to 2 conversion ratio is a good thing, they will feel like they nailed it, never wondering why the other 99% of people who saw those ads did a thing. Now, they will summarize this with a simple assumption. Not my buyer, or not in the market at this time. But they would be wrong. My friends on the island were never in the market. They were about 10 years too young on average. They didn't understand why anyone would want a car. So if they had seen this creative, they would have at best been annoyed by it, but more likely been indifferent to it. Again, why would someone own a car? The problem is that the assumption from the marketing director, again, this hypothetical person, is that like himself, Everyone wants a vehicle. If I look around and I see everyone wanting something, I can extrapolate that that's going to hold true anywhere we go. And it's that lens that will continuously place geographical importance into the grossly misunderstood bucket, right next to other such buckets as the diversity bucket that has been grossly misunderstood for years, as well as the economic bucket that, again, has been misunderstood for decades. 
we have issues. And my focus for this mini-series is to highlight the importance of paying attention to geography. Thank you for listening to the Thought Unpacked podcast. If you have an idea that you want unpacked, please reach out on Twitter or Instagram. Until next time, stay safe.